Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. If you want to read it in your Bible, either a normal Bible like this one, or nobody carries one of these around anymore, you know, because you access it on your phone or however you do it. And so anyway, I'll put that there to make a bit more room on the on the platform. But Acts 13, uh, 36, if you put it up for us. So there's the verse this morning. It says, now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. That, that uh, thought, falling asleep, is a euphemism for dying. Um, and so, and he was buried with his ancestors and his body decay, decayed. When David served his purpose, God's purpose, in his own generation, he fell asleep. And this morning, the the title of the message is simply this, Remembered for what? Remembered for what? Um, Here's a passage in the scripture where the Apostle Paul, a great church leader of the New Testament, was on the first missionary journey and he began to reference somebody of the Old Testament, King David. Those of you that have been Christians for any length of time would have read about David and no doubt been uh, ministered to by his life. Interestingly, Jesus in the Gospels often referenced the Old Testament. Spoke about Noah, spoke about Jonah, spoke about Elijah, spoke about Elisha. And all of that was affirming the fact that uh, God's word was an unfolding revelation that came to some sense of fulfillment in Christ. I still get Christians saying to me, I don't get the Old Testament. It's like they wish it wasn't there. And we understand that some parts of the Old Testament are not easy to read and it'd be crass to say otherwise. I mean, try reading Leviticus at seven o'clock in the morning before you go to work. It's, you know, um, I mean, you need to try it sometime, but it's not the easiest read. But the fact is, it's an unfolding revelation that brings us even to today in understanding that God is always rolling out his purpose. And so Jesus, with authority, quoted from the Old Testament because he believed in it. And here we've got the Apostle Paul referencing David, reminding the people in his ministry that he was a person that served God's purpose. We don't have time this morning, suffice to say that that, um, David was just a tremendous uh, man of God. And there are so many principles that we can learn from him. Let me just bullet point a few for you that come from the life of David. Number one, the problem, the, the matter of the heart is, is the heart of the matter. Because God doesn't look on the outward appearance, he looks on the heart. Number two, we need an anointing on our life because the first thing that David received when he was recognised as the future king of the nation was oil. Oil makes all the difference. Oil makes the difference to the service. Oil makes the difference to what you do for Christ. We need anointing. I know sometimes the words seemed a little flaky and people have been uh, sort of not really able to understand what it means. But simply, friends, it's God's life from heaven touching your life on earth. Number three, that uh, David was a giant killer. Giants aren't meant to dominate you. You are meant to slay the giants. And you have more than sufficient in the name of the Lord. If there's a giant that seems tall over your life today, watch out, giant, because he's about to be toppled in the name of the Lord. Number four, 
What is our attitude to enemies? David was exemplary. He had a dependence upon the Lord. He learned how to deal with adversity. In 1 Samuel 30, he says, I don't have time to go there this morning, but it says that a crisis took place and David cried and cried and cried so they had no more strength to cry. Anybody gone through an experience like that? Where you've no more strength to weep and to cry, but God blessed him and he encouraged himself in the Lord. Seven, the first thing he did when he became king was to restore the presence of God. It's a little bit difficult to describe the presence of God, but I know when I've been without it and I know when I'm in it and I don't want to live my life without his presence. A restored soul, submission to God's will and leaving a legacy. Little wonder that the apostle referenced him and you may say, well, I'm not King David and I couldn't do all those things, but I want to remind you this morning that you are precious to God and his desire for every one of our lives is that we would find the purpose of God and serve it now in our generation. Now this morning, my task really is to dig over the ground a little bit to inspire us and to encourage us for Christian's message next week. Some of you will have already been engaged with the Arena 2020 vision It's a vision casting offering call. I'm not going to say too much about it this morning. Suffice to say that Christian will open it up next week here in a Mansfield arena. But a visionary casting offering call for us to give above and beyond. And I believe this morning that you'll really capture the heart of that if you see things afresh from a spiritual and eternal perspective and realise that this is part of our opportunity in this moment to serve God's purpose and to leave an ongoing legacy for the next generation. In my office arena, I've got a picture of my late dad. He's passed away a few years ago now. Just a beautiful selfless man, fathered seven kids, never had a driving license, never had a passport, never went on a plane, never drove a car, but he left something. He left something. A hospital porter that left something. And there's a picture also of my daughter, uh, Miriam, before she became married and now a mum. And uh, underneath there's a, a little verse from the Message Bible. It says from Psalm 145.4, Generation after generation stand in awe of your works. Each one tells the stories of your mighty acts or deeds. And in this season, friends, here in Arena Mansfield, we've got a tremendous opportunity through responding well to a visionary call to give in the 2020 vision to cascade a blessing not only for ourselves, but down the generations. Those little ones that have gone into kids' church, young people in the church, the needy issues that are on the doorstep of this church and beyond, it's going to need something beyond where we're already at to minister, to bless, to reach out and to speak for the glory of God. Now then, let me just tease this out a little bit more. Some of you on a Saturday may get a paper a weekend paper, because you want the telly supplement. You know, what's on in the... 
And uh, nothing wrong with that as long as you don't spend, you know, 12 hours a day watching the telly, you know. You know, watching Jeremy Kyle every day is never going to fulfill the purpose of God. It really isn't, you you know. The problem with that is some of those situations are real. That's the scary thing. And uh, anyway, I love a paper. You know, I'm old-fashioned. I was talking to Stephen the other day. I've still got a checkbook. Anybody else got a checkbook in Arena Mansfield? Oh, thank goodness. Okay, Stephen, Stephen, I mean, I felt really old. Because Stephen's just saying, mate, get over it. Get <laughs> and I still love a paper. It comes from my grandma. She, she, no, it does. So every Thursday night, I used to go from school and go to my grandma's. It was the night when my granddad used to come and he was a catering manager in an engineering company. And Thursday night, he used to have, this is where my love of Kit Kats came from. And uh, every Thursday night, he'd come on with all the bags of sweets from the, from the shop. And uh, anyway, you walk into my grandma's, it was like a minefield simply because what happened was when she read the paper, and so as you walked in, the paper was all over the room. You know, but anyway, I used to pick the paper back up and read it. So I, I, I still like a paper. I still get a paper every day, apart from Sunday, because I don't have time to read it. You know, anybody else get a newspaper? No, I am on my own, you see. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, Saturday. In one of the papers... I won't mention what name it is because if I mention it, you think, oh, that's his politics as well, and it isn't. But anyway, in one of the papers, <clears throat> they have on the back page of the telly supplement an article called The Definite Article. And what it does, it gets hold of people that we'd call famous and superstars, and it asks them numbers of questions. For example, what's your prized possession? What's your biggest regret? What's the temptation you could resist? Often it's chocolate or something like that. I can't even resist that. So, and, um, what's your favourite book? What's the film that you would watch again and again? Let me just say how old I am. I hardly ever watch films. I went to the pictures once with Sharon and Alison um, uh, to watch, a, um, sorry, Miriam to watch Mamma Mia. I missed the whole lot because five minutes in I fell asleep and we just, you know. And <clears throat> what's that one with the Roman soldier we never got? Gladiator, I never got to the end of that either, you know. So anyway, and some of you are film buffs and know all of it. So what's your favourite film? My favourite film is Shawshank Redemption, actually. I really do like that. But <clears throat> what's the misapprehension about yourself? So some people say people think I'm arrogant. And I'm not. Harry Redknapp was in once, you know, the football manager. He says, people think I'm a jack the lad. He says, all I want to be is a good granddad to me kids. Isn't that amazing? And... Uh, <clears throat> What's your favourite song? How would you spend 24 hours? What's your funeral arrangements? This is where you normally find if people have got any faith or not. Amazing how many people say, well, just leave me on top and the flowers will grow, whatever. And then we come to the final question. What do you want to be remembered for? Remembered for what? It's interesting. None of these people say, I want to be remembered for the size of my bank balance. I want to be remembered because I'm famous. I want to be remembered because I've did this or that. Often, they want to be remembered for very modest things. So, for example, uh, Olympic athlete and gold medalist Jessica Ennis-Ill, now retired, 
living just up the motor when Sheffield says, I want to be remembered as a kind person who was pretty good at running, jumping and throwing. Well, if you're going to win the world title, you've got to be pretty good at that. Um, musician Jules Holland says, I want to be known as a good old bloke that lived to 257 playing the boogie woogie. <clears throat> chef, Michelin chef Michelle Rowe says, I want to be known as a teacher and mentor. The singer Neil Sedaka says, I want to be known as someone that made a great contribution to music and gave people joy. And this was one from just a couple of weeks ago. It's the caricaturist Gerald Scarf. And he says, all I want to be remembered for is being a good artist. So, you know, nobody, at the end of the day, it's just amazing, friends, that when people drive it down, they don't want to be remembered for the things that we think they want to be remembered for. And so what about us? What about us? Remembered for what? If you were sort of uh, rang up by this particular paper on a Saturday and said, you know what, we're doing the definite article on you. What would you want to be remembered for? I want to suggest in the closing moments of this morning, friends, that there's nothing better to be remembered for than knowing that we have served God's purpose in our generation. I want to give you three things just to help us. Number one, doing that is personally applicable. In the verse that Morgan put up for us, it says that David served God's purpose in his generation. Identity and security often bedevil people's life journey. There are many people, friends, that are insecure. There are many people that are still fighting to truly find who they are. Let me just say today, if you're a young man, a young person, you're somebody that's trying to navigate your way in life, maybe you're still trying to work through where this Christian faith sits, God says to you today that you have been shaped for purpose. You are not here to drift. You are not here just to sort of, as it were, just uh, uh, idle your way through life. You've been shaped for purpose. Listen, there is nobody else in the earth like you. So take care of it. There is nobody that can make a contribution like you. There is no one in the context of the 2020 vision that can give like you. And for some, that will be the widow's might. And for some, God will challenge to be able to give of that resource which he's blessed you with. But when we give with a commitment to purpose, it all fuses together and God is pleased. There is no one that has your story. And people love to tell their story. And around this room, there's some amazing, amazing stories. And the scope of this embraces every one of us, regardless of our age, our background, our nationality. Because in the crowd, God is always reaching out to the individual. This is the amazing work of the Holy Spirit this morning, friends, as he gathers together a congregation of people here in Arena Mansfield and we enjoy the sense of community, congregation, gathering. But right now, the Spirit of God is taking his word and applying it to us in an individual way. I was just watching the other day one of the old Billy Graham uh, uh, um, 
missions in the States going back around about 40 years. And of course, um, we've thought particularly about that amazing evangelist ministry as he's passed to the Lord in his, uh, uh, at the age of 99 just a few weeks ago. And uh, I just, I said to Sharon, you know, night after night, giving himself to preaching the gospel. And I'll tell you, he preached the gospel. And then at the end, amidst the great crowd of the stadium, the Spirit of God began to deal with people individually. And I know people say, well, it was all emotion. You know, folks coming out and all of those sort of things. But if you read his book, uh, biography, just as I am, you'll read that when he first came to the United Kingdom in 1954, uh, the... The British press were completely against his visit. In fact, there was a question that went to the House of Commons to try and stop him. You think things about now, that was, that was 50, 60 years ago. And he preached in Harringay and God blessed him in an amazing way. People said, it's just hype, just, you know, that just as I am thing. So one, on numbers and nights, he didn't have a song. He just says, okay, complete silence. If God's speaking to you, come forward. In 1966, 12 years later, he did another mission to London in Earl's Court. There were over 40 Anglican vicars on the platform one night that had all become Christians 12 years earlier, given their lives to Jesus Christ, had been called to the ministry and been totally saved by God. And all over the world, friends, there's tens of thousands of people that within the crowds have been ministered to individually. You might say, sometimes I feel I get lost in the crowd. You may feel that sometimes somebody else is more important in the crowd. But this morning, friends, I reiterate, underscore, underline that you are valuable to God and that you can put your name where David is and that God can fulfil his purpose in you. You know, as I've got older, I found myself running to this a little bit more and more. But every one of us have got a story. And sometimes, and, and Stephen gave a very gracious welcome this morning. I'll go to a church in the central area. There's around about 130 churches that I have some sense of responsibility for. And sometimes I get invited to speak. Phil Pye, central area leader. You know, He's sort of like, you know... I've sort of walked in from somewhere else. And by the way, in our house, we don't walk around two foot off the ground. We still goes a little bit on occasions. I've had to say sorry to my kids at times. We're normal people. And I try and prick the bubble straight away because I think people, oh, who's this bloke? Well, as I've already said, I'm the second of some kids from a council estate in Nottingham. And there's absolutely no earthly reason why I should have the privilege of standing here this morning and ministering the word apart from the fact that God says I have shaped you for a purpose my my background was so ordinary I mean people talk about austerity now really really I was born in 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 the city Nottingham in ice and green all the houses had to get knocked down um you know it was so damp, it was, it was unbelievable. And, uh, you know, people say, oh, we ain't got anything. Uh, woof, you know. It, 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 wasn't an easy, it wasn't an easy upbringing for my mum and dad, ordinary people. But I've got a story. I've got a story that God takes all of these council house kids. Went to a sort of fairly ordinary school. Didn't go to university. And begins to shape me for a purpose. The reason I say that is honestly, with no exaggeration, if God can use me, he can use anybody. He really can. He really, really can. 
So personally applicable. Secondly, progressively revealed. Christian, Pastor Christian's been in Arena Church now, bringing a leave for 18 years. Imagine after 18 days, he says, we're going to do the 2020 vision. People say, what, what's this guy on with? He's only just come. What's happened, friends, is that there's a progressive revelation on unveiling itself over a period of time. Arena Mansfield didn't just happen. It's been progressively worked out. That lovely faithful fellowship on Bosworth Street that needed a sense of repurpose. I think we had 10 come with us to Field Mill and three left in the first month. And we were left with a magnificent seven. And uh, some of them are still here this morning. They gave away. Deep down, they'd have probably still liked to have gone to that building that was a stone's throw from where many of them lived. But they saw the bigger picture. They saw the church in the town. They saw more people coming to it. They saw different nationalities coming to Arena Mansfield. And they gave away to the journey. We went to Mansfield when Keith Aslan was still the chairman of the club and got locked out. Can you remember, Paul? Because he'd not paid the landlord or whatever it was and... We had to meet in the Tower Snooker Club for a few weeks. We went to Mansfield when the heating didn't work. We went to Mansfield Field Mill when they'd had a lock-in the previous night and the carpets were that sticky from the... You, you know, to, it's a progression. It's a progression. This building. I was in the auction with Steve Holmes and Christian when we bought it. They sort of stuck their chests out. I'm sort of, I'm sort of carrying away... <laughs> 170, 171. The, the auctioneer was like a Welsh orator. He, he had a Welsh voice. He rolled his eyes. He, he was amazing. And there was one hand stood left. Pastor Christian. Sold to Arena. Woo! And then we had this. And progressively we've worked on it. And Steve Holmes and others have done a brilliant job in recent times. I'm looking across guys and, and uh, men and women across the room that used to come from work straight here, put their, put their scruffs on, painting, sawing, chopping. It was, I like chopping. I'm not good at painting. <laughs> to give it progressive, progressive. But the thing about the church is, and I've just been in a church that got completely stuck an incredible history. That church that we've been pastoring in Mansfield was the biggest Pentecostal church in the city for years. It had 1,000 people baptised in its first four years. It had an influence, but it got hopelessly stuck because it didn't move into its progressive revelation. And the enemy, friends, is quite happy when we keep coming to church as long as he gets us stuck. But he looks at Arena this morning contesting for this because he realises that we are now moving into a further outworking of the ministry of Arena. Imagine David as a little boy when he was anointed as king. When I say little boy, teenage boy. There's that lovely phrase in the authorised says he had a ruddy complexion. He was out in the open air, he had rosy red cheeks, he was handsome. This is the one anointing. And it was 15 years, Bible commentators tell us, between anointing and authority, between being recognised as the new king until actually expressing the kingship. 
God was progressively working out his purpose. And with a passion this morning, friends, I encourage us to continually commit to the process because the process will continually bring about the fruition of God's purpose. Don't let fear get in the way. What if it don't work? What if we only get 40,000? Because success and failure are, are inseparable. That's why lots of people don't walk by faith because you've always got to feel a gulp. You've always got to step into it. Step into it. Don't let fear get in the way. Don't let misunderstanding get in the way. Don't let pushing back on the journey get away. But this progressive revealing of what God's doing is now going to another level. And I encourage you to engage with it. Number three, it's perfectly timed. I've got people saying to me, oh, I wish I lived in the Victorian times. I wish I lived in the Edwardian times. And then they get really spiritual. I wish I lived when Jesus was alive. I've got, a, I've got a revelation for you this morning. He's still alive. He's still alive. I've been to Israel. I had the privilege of going to Israel several years ago. I don't say this facetiously this morning. Please don't read some political statements to it. Please. But I'm telling you this morning, friends, Jesus is as alive in Arena Mansfield by his spirit this morning as he is in Jerusalem this morning. He's alive. Oh, I wish I lived then. Oh, I wish I could play the piano. Oh, I wish I could sing. If you're tone deaf, it's no good wishing. It's not going to happen. You've got to find something else in the purpose of God. You weren't purposed to be a singer. And so we go on and on, forever wishing we were somewhere else. But in the sovereign purpose of God, you are part of the 7.2 billion people on planet Earth now. And God says, as he said to Esther in the Bible, you are called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Challenging times, changing times, changing times. I'm the only person in this room this morning that has a daily newspaper. That's changing times. And it's worrying. Perplexing times. The social issues of the day. What is going off? But we call to make a difference. And to see it, friends, not as a time to push us back, but an opportunity to be grasped, realising that a blessing can be released. As I close, our lead pastor will speak into this from this platform next Sunday. The call to bring a 2020 vision offering in this progressively unveiling season of Arena Church Suffice to say, there are four major planks to the document. Planting churches, blessing, planting more churches, blessing more lives, training more leaders, partnering with more global initiatives. Who wouldn't want to sign up to that? And I trust that it will find a heartfelt response <clears throat> that we will ask the question, what are we remembered for? What are we remembered for? And that we'll be people in Arena Church as the church with consistency continues to sow into this town and beyond 
over the months and years that lie ahead, there'll be people coming on behind us saying, you know what? Those people in the early church, they remember for serving God's purpose in their generation.